and welcome back to the rewind i'm josh and this is a podcast where i watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends today's episode is on everything everywhere all at once i'm happy to be joined by our resident h24 fanboy daniel lima daniel what's going on god damn it i hate that now it's becoming true it's becoming true now Shit. can't and- believe this and as of the time we're recording this, we're a couple of days from April 15th, but I don't think he has to worry about a trip to the IRS because he's in Canada. It's our friend, Arjun Call. Arjun, what's going on? Oh, I still got to do my taxes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is Canada, is, is April 15th one. the deadline for Canada too? It's coming up very soon. I oh, think okay. it's like later this week. It's like, uh, it's April 19th, I think. I got to do one last thing, you know, because I have been on the board for Oh, first, man. You know, edit that out. No, it's saying it's saying it. The people need to know. The people need to know. We're not posting this till well after your deadline anyway. So uh I just thought okay. my I, well, I thought my know, I, I have so much taxes left to do based on all of the crypto that I have just lying around <laughs> in the billions. You know, you um, can get your return so. back with crypto now. What? Like you can get your tax return back in cryptocurrency. Oh god. Like, as a that that is oh technology was a mistake. Yeah, yeah, it was. I'm sorry, we went we went to the surge on about taxes. <laughs> I guess this this is the movie yeah. to do it, but you know it wasn't a mistake. Yeah. Uh, but no, I think there's ever an episode just to go in all directions with uh with like with with, with really uh for no rhyme or reason at any given moment. I think this is it because uh everything everywhere all at once is uh you know it's one of the rare movies that like you know fully embodies its title in uh, so many different ways. Uh, it is the newest movie from the director team known as Daniels, uh, that being Daniel or Dan Kwan and Daniel Shiner. You uh, probably know them best from 2016 Swiss Army Man, though, you know, uh, they, they've done their own. Uh, they've kind of done their own thing at other points. Uh, Shiner did a movie called The Death of Dick Long in 2019 that a lot of people like, but they, they also did a lot of music videos. Title I've ever heard. No, I've never, I've never seen the movie, and I kind of don't want to ruin it because the death of Dick Long. Very much the same, same boat, same yeah. boat. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, these, these guys have their own interesting sensibility, as anyone who saw uh, Swiss Army Man knows. Uh, and uh, they decided to uh, they they went away for a while. Though actually, this movie filmed in early 2020, so I'm, I'm guessing they probably started working on everything everywhere all at once. Not long after that, they decided to you know take all the cachet you get from making a movie about. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe playing a farting corpse with an erection and decided to throw it into uh, everything, everywhere, all at once, which uh, stars Michelle Yeoh, a legend in her own right. She plays Evelyn Wong, a uh, Chinese-American woman who is running a, uh, a, 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 str- a struggling laundromat with her husband, Wayman, played by uh, Kehu Kwan, who has been away from the big screen for 20 years. Yeah, He first came on the scene as a teenager in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom playing Short Round and was also in The Goonies and did a few other things and then just like had to retire for a while before he was looking to make a comeback and the Daniels found him. He plays uh, Evelyn's husband again, Wayman, and uh, they're having some struggles in their marriage. He's trying to surf her with divorce papers while she is all over the place trying to do about 15 different things and including being fairly dismissive of their of their daughter joy played by stephanie sue who uh i don't know you guys might know from like the marvelous mrs mazel uh she's a relative newcomer and this is a, a, a great role for her to kind of break out Evelyn just, you know, very dismissive of her daughter who has a girlfriend and she doesn't really want to acknowledge her. She's worried about their uh, grandfather played by James Hong, even finding out about that as he is visiting and has always had somewhat of a uh, contentious relationship with her since uh, she left China with Waymond way back when. Because Evelyn uh, screwed up filing her taxes, uh, they, they're having to make a trip to the IRS. And while they're on the elevator on the way up to the, um, up on the way to see the tax lady who is uh, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, Raymond all of a sudden kind of like uh, changes his demeanor and 
kind of warns her that like when as soon as they get off the elevator she needs to turn right and it's going to kind of solve all of their uh it's going to uh just open up like a whole other world for her and uh she really needs to do that to uh save the world and and she'll figure it out uh you know it, it's she's obviously uh very disoriented and she soon comes to find out that like this other raymond wait i'm gonna keep saying raymond this other wayman that tried to talk to her uh you know is actually from a uh, another universe he's known as the alpha wayman and uh he explains to her that there's infinite multiverses and universes and her version of the alpha evelyn was you know just a very very big deal in their world and is no longer with them and uh there's a, another uh, uh there's there's another being named uh, Jobu Tupaki that is trying to, uh, you know, take over, uh, just kind of take over everything. And they need to kind of fight to stop her. And Evelyn becomes aware of the fact that like, all right, well, this version of me in this world has more untapped potential than anything because she has uh, just missed so much in her life. And uh, there's so many roads not taken that uh, she might be a target for Jobu Tupaki because she might be able to kind of defeat her and her uh, and her plan to kind of take over the whole entire multiverse. So, so, so it's a very simple to... story. Very simple yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, and, and, yeah. And I, I'm really just scratching the surface, but I could have been here for another 30 minutes before if I tried to explain the entire plot. And uh, Daniel and Arjun have places to be, and I have a bed that needs to be slept in. Uh, so I'm going to start with I'm going to start with you, Daniel, because uh, I, I I I read a, I read your uh, very impassioned review on Letterbox. It seems like you had a very strong reaction to this movie, and my initial reaction when I left the movie was, "Wow, that was a lot of movie." Because uh, this movie, I, I didn't even just get into it because, you know, I, I, through all this universe jumping that Evelyn ends up getting to do, she ends up in just about every single kind of genre of movie. And I'm wondering, Daniel, um, why? Uh, and I think there are, oh, these are a lot of genres you like, but I think there's something more to it beyond the fact that like you're a guy that likes martial arts, kung fu movies. There's obviously a lot of this in there. But I, I think it's I think you connected with it way beyond the fact that like it's riffing on some genres you like. So I, I know this is such a loaded question for a movie that clearly meant a lot to you. But why do you think you had such a strong reaction to this? Well, you know, honestly, I've been having a bit of a rough time in life. It seems like a lot of the people that I know uh, going into this movie did were also going through some stuff. Right. Um, a lot of existential shit about, you know, what's the point of making it through the day? If at the end of the day, I got to wake up and do the same shit all over again. You know, so often like the just daily minutiae of everyday life, it, it becomes, it feels like so damn much, man. Like uh, getting out of bed seems like more than you're capable of. Like, mm. and I've been, you know, struggling with these sorts of feelings for like months and months. And of course, going back years and, uh, I was just coming out of kind of a depressive funk myself uh, when I went to see this movie. I was fortunate enough to see like the IMAX preview screening. Mm. Um, so I did get to see it with like a, you know, a theater full of people the first time, um, you know, I saw it with a couple of friends and, you know, for all the, you know, as complicated as the plot sounds when you try to describe it, which I often try when I try to sell this movie to people yeah. um, and, and I can see them go like, what? Yeah. Um, as, as complicated as the plot is, as much as this movie bites off and, you know, successfully manages to pull off, uh, at its heart, it's a movie about how we make it through life, how we make it through, you know, those daily little tragedies that make it so hard to go on. Um, and I think this movie hones in on something that's very universal, uh, it's very humanizing and very beautiful. Like, it is a for all the multiverse shenanigans and all the kung fu fights and you know all the amazing visual effects 
at the end of the day, it's a story about connecting with other people. And uh, yeah, it, it has that emotional foundation for all the you know various directions that it goes in that keep it focused. And yeah, I just absolutely, absolutely loved it. It is, pro if somebody told me this was the best movie ever made, I, I, I don't know what I could say to argue against it. Man, and, 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 you see, and you watch a lot of movies. So it's like, and I, and I know you try not to fall too vi uh, victim to recency bias. So I know that that, that, that statement doesn't come lightly coming from you. Um, uh, Arjun, I'm wondering, did you have a similar reaction? Because, I mean, we're just scratching the surface, I guess, of everything that this movie has to offer. And Daniel only briefly touched on some of the visual stuff. But I, I'm guessing as someone that I know also really liked this movie, you probably really appreciated, like, above all, like, uh, uh, amidst everything it's trying to do, just like how earnest it was. And I know you also like Swiss Army Men a lot. So I'm wondering if these guys are just really on your wavelength. Um, I like Swiss Army Men a lot. Like, like they're really, like, like I really love it. It's one of my, um, easily in my top 2025 20, of the 2010s or so. Um, mm -hmm. And this movie is, I think, 10,000 times better. It is, <laughs> not, like, it is, yeah, I agree with what Daniel just said. It is, like, if, if someone said this is one of, like, this is the best movie I've ever seen, I'd be like, sure, you know, you win film criticism for today. Like, that's, <laughs> I'm okay with this. Yeah, it connected with me, it connected with me a lot. I think partially because of, you know, similar reasons, to be honest. Um, also, having have not been having the best time, like I mentioned before this call, had a small housing crisis and the crisis won. So um, just kind of like, uh, you know, same, same, same kind of thing. And um, it's this movie, I think, couldn't have come at a better time. It's really, um, it's, it's such a beautifully earnest movie. And it like hits so many buttons that I just um, really like really love. Like it's uh, you know it, it hits so many buttons that I like um, that that just make this such a beautiful movie for me. Like um, I I was joking with my friend the friend with whom I saw when it came out. It's like wow this is the first like this uh, this is the as someone who has ADHD this is the first real ADHD representation that we've got in a movie. And um, and then I found out that one of the directors Daniel Kwan actually has recently diagnosed ADHD and it. Figured, and it figured into how he made the movie. I love that when you can just like, when you can just tell how much, how personal something is to somebody, like that's so rare. I think like the last time I felt this was with probably the Green Knight last year where I loved it so much more. You could, you could just tell what was on the mind of the people who were making it. And that mm -hmm. is like, there is no other reason, or there's maybe not, there's no other reason. There's no better reason to tell stories that is the only reason we tell stories to you know aside from and i mean there's always a weird sex reason for everything but like aside from that there's there's like the only reason we tell stories is to say like you know this is how i'm feeling maybe you're feeling the same way or if you are feeling the same way here's how i got better and i love that when you can just tell from 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 the movie like just right away and that is that was so evident from like frame one of this movie it was like goofy and just like silly and ridiculous and never not kind like it was always extremely compassionate even when and it takes like you know extra lengths to be compassionate too even like the i read something i read something from a like a guardian interview with daniel Kwan, where like the whole reason for the hot dog fingers timeline is because they just wanted to see how gross they could get, not just in terms of like hot dog fingers, but in terms of like, she's in love with the person she detests the most in this timeline, in the hot dog fingers timeline, you know? She like 
it's it's she's she's a singer in that timeline and then she loves playing the piano in the other it's just a complete like a, like a george costanza like complete opposite of everything that mm-hmm. we know to be lovable about this character and then see if you can still love her and feel empathy for her and they like they succeed they knock it out of the park it's you feel sincere empathy for um hot dog fingers hot dog finger people it's like i love that we could say that i love that we could say that yeah i do like i do want to point i I should i should say that like um we're probably going to be jumping all around so i guess spoiler alert again again perfectly fitting and i I, it's pretty hard to spoil this movie so do whatever yeah just because how much is going on but like but like i i remember watching when i rewatched this movie earlier today and you know there's like a scene in the hot dog universe where like you know she's being embraced by like uh jamie lee curtis with her hot dog fingers and she like recoils and screams and we laugh because like you know this it's silly like to, to see like the villain of the movie suddenly caressing her with these hot dog fingers and she runs away from her and recoils from her and then we get a shot of jamie lee curtis alone just standing in the frame and then she starts she she puts her hand you know her face in her hands and she starts crying and there's this moment of like oh shit this is real like as silly as this yeah. all is there is an emotional weight to this um you know you can tell that like you said arjun like that these the the daniels um really do genuinely care about everything that happens in this movie all these characters you know through all these different storylines and all these glimpses at different universes some silly some not uh the fact that we can empathize with like the two two characters as rocks you know is is, is so telling I, I, i cried four times in this movie and I didn't, and I like, I just finished, I just stopped crying. Like, I just started, like, you know, I just stopped like tearing up when the rocks he'd started. And I like was thinking to myself, it's going to be okay. I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> text and rocks. What, how bad can it be? And then, like, a couple of minutes later, I was just like, oh. Yeah, no, genuinely, I, I, I welled up too because it keys into something, you know, so much. This is a movie where there's, you know, I talk about Jamie Lee Curtis as the villain, but really the, the bad guy of this movie, quote unquote, it's, um, it's not it's life it's entropy it is all the forces that you know conspire to make just daily existence so damn hard and so when you get to that moment with the rocks it also comes at exactly the right moment this is a film that is just chock full of stuff and it can you know there's a world where it ends up being way too exhausting but you get to that rocks and it's perfectly placed and you just have this this freedom like you know just this this, yeah. this breath of air where there's they're just two characters as rocks text on the screen no dialogue or anything and they just take in the moment and they uh, like you know the, the they they just talk about how they had hoped like they, that they could get glean from one another like this other perspective on life that would make it easier somehow and you know it, it turns out that it's just and like it keys into like the kind of like how I've been feeling and I think how so many of us have been feeling uh this is a movie that was apparently they started writing this movie back in 2016 you know so like I think we all know what went down 2016 like it keys into that sort of universal feeling of of despair at you know where the world is going and our place in it so I, I, yeah, absolutely. This is just, I, I, it's funny that we spent so much talking about the theme of this movie without talking about any of the elements, but like, it's such a, 
it's so un- it's such an underpinning of the movie every single element this I think, this yeah. humanism i think uh, that's why that's it's it's really important in telling that we went there even though like i'm sure there's plenty of interesting things to say about just everything else going on in this movie but man it's like i said before it, it it's a lot of movie and it the rest of that can feel overwhelming i like how the rock scene like has a as dual purpose you know it, it, there's there's actually what's going on between those two rocks but like you literally like I cherish that breather in a way, I just mm-hmm. given like how ex- exhausting the rest of the movie can be. And I don't even necessarily mean that pejoratively, just that like, you know, uh, it just doesn't stop. It's a lot stop. to take in. Yeah. It's and it's like, oh, in. wow. Like I, I don't mind getting to catch my breath right here. Uh, and I think, I mean, part of the genius of the movie is that like, you know, plenty have said that there's something for everyone, but like if at any point you aren't liking something, you're probably, there's a good chance you're going to like one of the next three things that comes at you because it's just so varied. Uh, so I think, you know, I mean, I think that probably the one thing holding all that together that'll allow people that enjoy different parts of it to still take it to still, to, to, to still take it in is just like, like you said, are those themes? And we, we didn't even really talk about like the whole mother daughter aspect of it, though. And yeah, I was uh, going to say, yeah, no, the, the, it's, it's those themes which are so universal. And it's also the thing grounding it within, like, I guess, the structure of the film, like on a technical level, it would be, um, you know, every element of this movie is great and like, sh- like should win all the Oscars and all that, whatever. But like, um, at the end of the day, it is the performances uh specifically the performances of i guess our three leads michelle yo kehu kwan stephanie so like sue how do you pronounce her name i apologize hsu i think it's sue i was gonna say sue also yeah but yes well my apologies if you're listening but um (laughs) but yes like uh those three um you know as this kind of broken sort of family unit it keys into (laughs) the difficulties that we all have in relating to one another um, you know, Michelle Yeoh is the one who is so overwhelmed by the daily stresses of life. Uh, Wayman uh, Kehu Kwan is trying to break through to her. He's the one that's sort of like, I guess, the emotional heart of the movie. And Stephanie Tso is like the, um, you know, the daughter who has this disconnect with her parent, which I think is universal, yes, but also I think it keys into something very specific about like uh, the parents of immigrants. Uh, I, I was watching this and I was seeing, I was seeing my relationship with my mother. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I didn't even connect that that I had that, that I had you two on for this, and I think you, you guys can both relate to that better than me. Yeah, like yeah. I'm watching it and I'm like, I've had this <laughs> these exact conversations where you're just trying to like let them know how you're feeling and there's this disconnect not because of a lack of care or a lack of love but just I guess like the perspective I think with immigrant parents um and I think I don't know like it's it's tough for me to describe it because like I didn't grow up in necessarily like a traditional household it's not like I was raised up like a in a traditional Brazilian household or anything like that like none of those values were like impressed upon me in the way that I think it has been for other people but um, there is always like that disconnect between like, you know, somebody who grew up in another country and then came here and, you know, me having grown up exposed to American culture my whole life. And there's always a bit of a disconnect in communication. And I think this movie does like key into that, like pitch perfectly. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm like the same. I like, I didn't, you know, I didn't grow up in um, like a, a traditional Indian Canadian British, I don't know, the traditional British house. <laughs> it's like hiding from things during the Blitz, I guess, whatever. Um, <laughs> like I didn't grow up in like a traditional um, Indian household, even though my parents are Indian British diaspora. So like it's, it's, and this really hit that sort of lack of like, that sort of like hole that you feel, that sort of, it's not a specific like, you know, 
it, you know, I'm sure it's just like similar for you. Like you're, you're not like, I really want to relate more to specifically Brazilian culture. I don't, I like, I see, but it's, it's not like that. It's more like there's a hole that's formed by lack of stability mm. and a lack of like something to latch onto. And it's, it's on some level. And this movie hit that so well. And, you know, I appreciated that with all of those cultural differences, like they were all, like answered like never for a second would you have to think with this movie like i wonder what it means that stephanie sue's character is dating a white girl so that would ordinarily add an additional layer of like something to think about not that there isn't lack of things to think about with this movie but you know like that that would add an additional layer of like questioning another thing for cinema sins to grab onto mm. on the record i like cinema sins whatever um another thing for cinema sins like grab onto it's like what does it mean that this person's dating this this uh, like Asian American person from obviously relatively traditional Asian American parents is dating a white person. What does it mean that you're talk? She's talking to her grandpa now, like at Chinese New Year when he's not doing. Uh, but it's all answered with this movie. It's all like it's, it's and even if it's not answered directly, it's all like there in like feeling. Like you, you don't have to you don't have to do much detective work with this film. You just connect. It's like very clear and it's very like when it's clear when it needs to be and it hides when it needs to and it's perfect in that way. Like it Yeah, absolutely. And you can tell that it's made by people who very purely thought I feel this and the best way I can the best thing I can do right now to help people who feel like this is to communicate my own experience mm. or to translate it slightly in some way. And that is and and I, I love that about this movie. It's um it hit it's it's like intersectionality in in a really beautiful way like what it what it like the most pure meaning of the word um and you know it's filled with such like i don't know what the connection is between this and that but this is just another thing that i love about this it's filled with such like reverence it's not it doesn't just like you know it, it's not just like uh it's it, it's about people who struggle to you know get through everyday life like i suspect a lot of us, cool. a lot of us have been but like it's it's not just about like consoling people who like those people or like you know it's not just like acknowledgement it is like filled with such a reverence for people who get up each day and keep going mm. and yeah. it's not about like resilience it doesn't like you know play into the whole like hokey kind of like resilience kind of narrative but it, it really it, it's it's filled with much more respect for them on a human level people who struggle to just get up each day and the fact that they keep going and it is um it just it takes so many steps to acknowledge the amount of pain in these people's lives like even in the timeline where michelle yo is basically just michelle yo which i found so funny <laughs> i love that yeah they're using michelle. like stock footage of her at her own film premieres yeah and then like you get like a uh, handsome women who i've been calling like andy lau women because he's basically he's like dressed like he looks like a kind yeah, of like the yeah. version of to my, my, my friend Caesar, who I saw it with, said he looks like Tony Long, but more slightly more like pathetic and beat down. So just Andy <laughs> Lau. He looks he's the Lau, like that timeline. Um, he's, um, like, That's the Wonka Y timeline for sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The I mean, they're even using, I love that they're even using the step printing, like the low <laughs> yeah. frame rate look yeah. when they're in the alleyway talking um, about yeah. love. And like, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. That's the, I'm sorry, I cut you off there. But yeah, yeah I just yeah, wanted to um, say that. I will love that. I well, love well, that everything about like it's it's filled with like it and they clearly love these things. It's not like just like copying them. It's like this. Yeah, I will say, I'm sorry, sorry, I don't mean to keep like okay, distracting you from your point. 
but but like I want to say that yes when you were saying talking about reverence I nodded my head like yes and yes to the point of what you were saying that like yes it's reverence for the people who get up and survive the day not because for that resilience narrative sort of angle but because it's an under this movie understands like how hard it is and it, it understands how we need to take value in all the things that make it easier regardless of whether or not it's like I love that in the um uh, in the finale I hate that we're jumping all around I apologize but like um but at the finale of course like at the end it is that human connectivity but I also really loved the fact that as she learns to fight another way instead of uh going through like the kung fu hard-hitting fight that we've seen throughout the movie she starts using rea- her reality bend newfound re- reality bending powers to just give people that that little something that allows them to keep going you know she um i see like there's shots like where she punches a guy she gets knocked back and he's holding like a kitten you know what i mean or uh, yeah. uh like she she gives a guy like the like a gag because he's secretly into bdsm and like you know like <laughs> yeah. it's about it's, it's an ode to the little things it's an ode to all the things that make this easier for me that is that has been film it has been you know doing coming up and on yeah. this podcast and talking to y'all it's it's been re- watching as much as I can and and you know like this past month I've seen like over like a hundred movies because I just needed something to keep myself centered and it has it has helped like a great great deal and I think that specifically this love of cinema is another as- reason why I do connect with this movie so much because this is a movie that is in love with this art form you know, like you talk, you look at the Wong Kar Wai, you know, section of the movie yeah. and it's, there's an emotional catharsis to it and a reverence and respect for the movies that came before. You see it reflected in the fights, you know what I mean? Where like, they're doing like, I should point out hats off because they, they went to the right people. They went to the Marshall Club people who are this YouTube channel that does short action scenes. They've recently started breaking out into Hollywood. You've seen Andy Lee, um, who is, uh, the fight choreographer oh, he here yeah he's yeah he's, he's death Shang-Chi? dealer yeah, yeah yeah he is death dealer in shang chi oh, cool. yeah and like he's one of the you know he's one of the founders of uh marshall club with his brother brian lee and uh, he's actually they're both in this movie as uh, security guards um but yes yeah. like you see it in the fights where like you know they're clearly playing off of not only uh which i fucking love not only are they just doing jackie chan which of course the you you're gonna want to reference jackie chan but i see little references to like you know yen Wu ping style that's an, another casting that's another casting what if for this did you read that no what the movie was originally conceived of being like for jackie chan as opposed to oh Michelle yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and then they cool. decide yeah i'm reading it here that they decided that having a woman as a lead would you know help ground the story which yes it did these guys are geniuses yeah, totally but yo um but oh, that, that it, first fight scene with the fanny pack is like straight oh. out of like like a straight out of like police story or something it's just it's funny yes and it's silly and it's just that it's good that it's like it's it's yeah apparently it's i was listening to an interview with the sound designer and uh he was talking about how one of the sound guys was like i'm gonna just record a bunch of sounds with a fanny pack and the guy was like and the guy was like are you sure about that like you sure you don't want something a little harder hitting like leather and he's like nope i got this and so like the first part of that fight it's all fanny pack sounds and then like he at toward the, in the middle of the fight which again you know this is that kind of structured storytelling within the action that you know fucking i fucking love so like toward the in the middle of the fight uh Kehu Kwan takes a bunch of marbles puts it in the fanny pack and suddenly he's got a meteor hammer yeah. and then he starts uh, is, using is it, it. Is, it, is it marbles or is it aquarium rocks 
aquarium rock. Yeah. 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 And uh, he stuffs it in his, and it becomes like a fucking flail. Like it becomes like a meteor hammer, which is this weapon in Chinese martial arts. Um, and like, yeah, no, it's, it, it's brilliant, the fights. And like, you know, they're hearkening back to like all these different forms of martial arts cinema. Uh, and I'm trying to think of like what, like multiverse, I, I know that in the special effects, um, instead of like, you know, these, these they, they've talked, spoken a lot about how they kind of disdain like, how people how studios use visual effects these days you know all building everything on a green screen and this and that and so you know these guys came up uh fairly recently so they 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 have experience doing they, they met actually if i'm not mistaken like in a class at film school on animation and so they they both learned blender with each other off youtube and this and that and so this does have like in 2010s a friend of mine who's more into this stuff than me was like this is like a very early 2010s youtube special effects sensibility where it's like all do it yourself all stuff that you could do on your home computer, all very simple. So like the, the kind of visual effects that they would use is like, like for example, like, you know, when the guy explodes into confetti, that's a very easy um, effect of just painting out the guy in from one frame to the other and just replacing him with all this confetti. It's very, like they, they described it as like going back to like Man on the Moon, like the, uh, what's I forget, what's the name of the fucking, the French director famous, he did the, the, the Man on the Moon short, right? Yeah, yeah. Millier, yeah, he's going, they're going and we're harkening back to that style of visual uh, effects work. And, and yeah, like they're just pulling from all these disparate influences. And because of that emotional grounding, because of that, the, the thematic heft of the film and the universality of it, it all works, um, which is, you know, <laughs> I honestly, like when I watched, um, I know that you're a bigger fan of Swiss Army Man than me. But, you know, watching that movie, I'm like, these are guys who are willing to pull from all these sorts of disparate influences and put it all together and try to synthesize it. And that's great. And one day they're going to make something where it all comes together and works beautifully. And I hear it definitely does. Yeah, uh... I, I love that. Um, uh, I, I love like the, the thing about George Miller, like the going back to like, you know, then and I didn't and I didn't know that because George Miller was um, he was a magician. He was like um, a model, like not a model. He was like, he, he went from like art to like fabrics to illusions and stage magic. And he he went into film. He wasn't like, I think people mistake him for like, you know, popular like thought is, is of him as like one of like the Lumiere brothers and stuff, like inventing the technology behind film. But he wasn't like one of the inventing guys. He was, he saw film and he saw what he did, what he loved about stage magic. He was like, you can genuinely like trick people and, but like in a compassionate way, like you can make people see something and you can, you know, change the human body and make it appear different things in, in a very, like in a way that like wows people and makes them see things beyond, you know, just what their daily experience. Yeah. And, 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 and to allow people to, you know, see the stories you want to tell more. And that's how we got into film. And I love that sort of, I'm not inside their heads, but <laughs> if I could get in there, that is, I'm sure that is something similar to what is going on inside like the Daniel heads. Like seeing this, seeing like, you know, well, we can use technology to tell the way that we feel and the way that like, you know, to tell a story and nothing more to it than that. Like it's 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 a really like pure I I love like, you know, oh. just pure motivation for making it. And I yeah, I love oh, cool. going back to that. Well, beyond technology and just like the, because I want to ask about like 
it's depiction of that. I mean, it, it, there's the sci-fi element of it. I think it's funny we've been doing this for almost uh, for basically almost 30 minutes now, and if you, I don't think we've said the word multiverse since my my little introduction. I did. And so I'm curious, Daniel, as someone that obviously follows a lot of the Marvel content really closely, what did you actually think of like how they conceived of the plot of this movie? Where I, I personally myself was a little worried about like, you know, or not necessarily worried. I was excited about the prospect of this because the multiverse worries me in the context of something like Marvel, where it's discussed more than anywhere. And so much as like, I, I, I just don't know if, if, if Marvel's bit off more than they could chew. It seems like it robs it of stakes to like have this span across a bunch of movies. Anyone could die and be brought back. It's like, whatever. I was excited to see how that would be utilized within the course of one two hour and 20 minute film. What did you ultimately think of like how they saw this idea through? Hmm, that's a that's a tough question because I think that the multiverse concept is being used differently in like the MCU where it's like kind of like- well, it's, a, Yeah, it's obviously different. I'm wondering like, yeah, 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 what, yeah. just what- a, like, This is very akin to like- yeah, this is very akin to me. Well, actually, no, it's not. Uh, here, I like it as an exploration of, um, it, it keys into that sort of existential dread that we all have of like, have I made the right decision? You know, where could I be now if I had done X differently, if I had done Y differently? Um, I, I, know, I know that that shit weighs on me. I know oh, yeah. that. And um I think the multiverse concept allows you to explore that sort of uh, uh, that sort of how do we put it existential dread like outside of the realm of allegory. It allows you to yeah. see like the paths not taken, and I do appreciate that. You know, going back to that humanistic theme, that universality, that like through all these universes, no matter the position that you know uh, Michelle Yeoh's character finds herself in, at the end of the day, there's always these little things that make each life lived valuable and worthwhile, uh, regardless of whether she's, you know, the struggling um, laundromat attendant or she's a fucking movie star like she is in real life, you know? Uh, just absolutely beautiful concept, to, a way to explore that concept. Well, yeah, and I, 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 I really appreciate it too as someone that, you know, that often kind of like looks back on how, what, what could have been and whatnot. And I, I, I think I almost like, again, I, and I'm not, I mean, people have heard me talking about this stuff for four years now, or I mean, I mean, there's seven, almost seven, and depending on how far back in my podcasting career you want to go, but I obviously like all the Marvel movies, but like one thing that like bothers me is like a, um, something like if you want to do a different kind of sci-fi thing like i don't know the time travel thing doesn't always do it for me if you're going to talk about time traveling as a thing because i feel like you can you can even without trying to your mind wanders to like picking that apart in ways that like i i just don't think that the the multiverse idea really uh uh exposes itself in that way where such that you can like pick, pick apart every little different logical fallacy and so i'm not even worrying about that stuff and i'm able to just kind of take in everything through the eyes of this character and, and also and, and also through that you mean, you mean i'm sorry you you mean take in everything everywhere all at once god damn it i missed it uh yeah and i and i just think they're really smart about it and that, like i don't think there's a lot of real like holes you can necessarily poke in it that way unless you are like trying really really hard and i think that it, it, it keeps you so distracted and i mean i i can't speak to the add of it I, or adhd of it that's that's not something i have but the fact is like i said before it has something popping up every few minutes such that like yeah i mean even if uh even if like parts of it here or there are not going to work like you're ultimately like taken out of it into into something else and i so i think think that the like again I, I just think the multiverse like really worked for me in a way where it's like even if i had dwelled on one thing here or there for too long it was like smart enough to like you know just uh just a verse jump 
uh, as the term is they <laughs> called it in the movie. Uh, Arjun, uh, did you have any thoughts on just like, and we can talk separately about like, I guess all the special slash practical effects and like the look of it and all that, but like, what did you ultimately think of like the heart of this story and like how, uh, and, and ultimately the Ev- Evelyn's journey as far as like, did seeing her in all these different possible lives, did that also resonate with you in a different way be, uh, as far as like uh, seeing these other roads not taken? Yeah, perhaps a little too much to be healthy. <laughs> it, um, you know, um, same, same, same sort of, uh, same sort of feeling as you know, uh, whenever, whenever Nick Miller gets really sad on New Girl, and then, New Girl, and then like this is this this mm. I relate to this a bit too much. Um, mm. But like, um, it was really, um, it's yeah, that resonated with me so much, and I loved the way that it intersected with you know the sort of the time travel or not the time travel, the multiverse dynamics, because like. You know what you were saying just now with like the whole like time travel never really works for you. I think I'm I'm somewhat similar in the, in the sense that I think it's it's hard to get a time travel story that works well for me. And one of my favorite movies, not just one of my favorite time travel movies, one of my favorite movies, I think, um, for both like personal reasons, the, the fact that it came out just after I moved to Canada, and uh, just reasons of it being a good movie is uh, Meet the Robinsons from 2006, um, 2007. Um, and um, it is it's a time travel movie. It's a time travel kids movie. And um, it is, and I think the last time I rewatched it, I sort of thought, I finally understand why the fact that I'm not great with time travel stories doesn't matter for this movie, because it's not that it, it um, it's not that it like, uh, it, it's, it's not that it um, successfully beats the time travel formula. It's that it sets it up in a way with such an emotionally well-founded story that it kind of doesn't matter like you think of these like time travel logistics questions and you kind of just you're okay with just saying like it doesn't really matter and that is what i think is very beautiful about this movie too it kind of i mean honestly a lot of the multiverse stuff was like pretty like like watertight like well done and funny and interesting and like but even if it wasn't i kind of think that the the emotional heart of the story would mean that i would still think that it doesn't really matter like what if, if I have any thoughts about inconsistencies with the multiverse stuff, it, or like whether that landed or anything, it's like, it, it's such an emotional, pure heart to this movie that it's, it's similar to, you know, like something like, uh, like Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse or something, where it, it, it kind of uses this contrived, ridiculous dynamic to tell a really beautiful universal story. And um, I, yeah, I really liked the, you know, going back to your question sorry um, <laughs> i really like the ending that um yeah the arc of michelle Yeoh's character i kind of like daniel was alluding to earlier i like definitely felt the same especially uh with i think the big moment for me was the conversation at the end that uh mm-hmm. that that uh juju tabuti has with um with evelyn you know that kind of thinking like wow i've had that conversation a few times with my parents and um I, I love that there's not much of a concrete emotional like solution that is distinctly separate from losing. Evelyn and her family don't they don't find the one formula to, you know, they, they don't find one there's no you had me at hello moment. There's no like one like one thing that it's like this 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 is an immediate emotional resolution. Because they know that that's not the way things work. Evelyn just says, yes, I was I was wrong and tries to get better and says why they have to keep trying to get better to keep you know getting through each day and i found that um you know kind of like really incredibly beautiful i like mm. um the fact that they 
struck such a beautiful tone between the problems don't go away, but we only have you know ourselves to help each other plus through them. I've been trying. I've been trying to find a way to avoid this comparison. I kind of can't anymore because, but I think it's a very good thing with art when it reminds you of when you see something or watch something or read something, whatever, and it reminds you of another thing that you see that you love, but it, you can't sort of tell which one is better. It's only a favorable comparison on both ends. I love that this reminded me of community so much, um, mm. both in the multiverse angle and in there's a really you know that that. That, that really beautiful line that uh, Abed says right at the end of the series where he talks about TV and what TV means to him. And he says, um, we have to let it um, have a bad day or a day off or let it get on the boat with LeVar Burton and never come back because at the end of the day, it kind of all will. I, I, I love that this movie really continued that sort of, really had that sort of ethos in mind. Like they didn't, the way that Evelyn's arc progresses and the way that Evelyn learns to be a kinder person. I mean, I think it's very telling that we've been talking about this for like 40 minutes and we haven't said much about uh, Kehei Kwan, who I genuinely really think deserves to win an Oscar for this movie. Yeah, no, um, I'm with you. I'm with you. He's out. He's like, up there he's, for me. Yeah, and his like beautiful be kind speech is like, oh, um, you know, it, it says so much about this movie that like, you know, that you can remove all of the, you can remove a lot of the multiverse stuff and the arc that Evelyn's character has is still there and it's still beautiful and it's still oh yeah yeah it's not about it's not about finding like that action beat where like you know the, the climax yeah. where like they they find the solution they find the thing and now the day is saved and they'll yeah. all go on to live happy lives it is about a, you know it's an evolution of her character to allow herself to sort of open up because you can see kind of in in, in and I I will say that like props to I think Michelle Yeoh deserves best actress because oh yeah um true. you know I I I'm so used to seeing her play like the action hero like going way back to yes madam back in the what 88 you know with Cynthia Rothrock I have always seen her as just this very strong powerful assertive person and she's kind of played that for like the past four decades, three decades, and, you know, beautifully, to be clear. But this is the first time where I've seen her kind of play someone who is broken, who is hurt, uh, who is anxious and nervous and a kind of a wreck. Um, she shows a vulnerability here. She's been beaten down by life. And, you know, because of that, she sort of has calcified. She's sort of like tensed up against interacting with the world around her in a more emotional sort of way. Honestly, in a way, like I gotta admit, she does remind me of my mother a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, you yeah, know, just same. just life beating you down for decades, and just you know, you kind of closing up as a result. Um, but like at the end of the day, the journey for her is allowing herself to open up, allowing herself to have those sorts of hard conversations. You know, at the beginning of the movie, she looks like she's about to say something to her daughter you know, after her daughter has been trying to get her attention and have a real conversation with her for this entire opening scene. And at the end of the day, she can just say, you, you need to lose weight. You look fat, like, you know, <laughs> which is a, very common for, for immigrant parents. Instead of actually addressing, like, what's the heart of the issue, they come up with another, they, they come up with another thing to talk about um, where you are fucking up, you know, and that's just how they, they engage. They, they can't, I guess, engage with you on a one-to-one -one yeah. personal level because A, yeah. that's hard for them and B, you're their child and they feel like they need uh, to, to, to put on sort of a certain sort of air with you. 
And at the end, and this of movie the doesn't day, forgive that. Like this, no. this movie doesn't say that's right, and I love that so much. This this movie was everything I wanted Turning Red to be, and uh, oh, okay. sorry, Turning Red. Um, I, like and, Turning uh, red. I did I did quite love I did I'll admit, I did love Turning Red, and I do like that there are these this kind of this new wave of movies. I've, I was talking to somebody, a friend of mine, who said that like it's a wave of movies made by people whose parents fucked them up. Like this is the millennial yeah. generation coming back up, and you know reckoning with like the damage well, that our parents did to us. And um, well, those um, are like with, immigrant movies too. But uh, yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. That's true. But like also, like, I think Encanto also has a bit of this. Also, I do love yeah. though that like these are movies that. And I, I, I hear you, Arjun, in the sense that like Turning Red does somewhat like skate over it. Um, yeah. But like at the end of the day, I think these are movies that are about recognizing how these older generations are flawed and human. And, you know, because of their life experiences, they've made it hard that have made it hard for them to connect with the generations that come after them. Uh, but this movie is a journey about going away from that and accepting that occasionally you're going to have to have these sorts of conversations. You're going to have to open up. You're going to have to allow yourself to be hurt by the world because at the end of the day, you know, that two, it's, it's a two way street, that love and, you know, that, that hurt, like you will end up getting hurt when you open up like this, but you're also going to allow yourself to let in that love, allow yourself in that stuff that, makes living so much easier and worthwhile so yeah absolutely ah god man this is such a great motherfucking movie man, man. this is such movie. a great movie i should also note that um in turn I, I do like what you were talking about arjun in terms of like how like at the end of the day because of this emotional core the multiverse stuff the mechanics of it don't really matter so much and i was actually it goes back to what we we're talking about uh milieu milieu i forgot how to pronounce his name milieu milieu like you know like it, it's the mat that's the magic trick you know, it's the magic yeah. trick of showing the audience, you know, you, you show this your audience like a world with hot dog fingers and, you know, this anime. I, I love the glimpses of like this animated world and like the rock world and the Rakakuni world. Um, oh, God. That's, oh, yeah. They clearly Did love you? Ratatouille. Like, I they love could. that they clearly just love Ratatouille. And do you know who voices the raccoon? No. Oh, God. Her. Randy Newman. Huh. Your, oh. Randy Newman is the voice <laughs> of Rakakuni. Randy Newman, uncredited, because they apparently the directors were kind of they went to school with his son, and so like they kind of had it in, and so they got him. They 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 screened this a rough cut of the movie for their family, and like Randy Newman's like whole family was like, you got to do this. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, like uh, what? A, and they actually have like I think three different versions of like a Rakakuni song that might see the light of day fingers crossed but uh which is all of which is a yes like they're incorporating all these different elements and like you know throwing all this stuff at you and the magic trick is that like instead of worrying about the mechanics of the specificity of like you know honestly watching a second time i was like there's a certain point in the movie where it seems like evelyn might have died which i think that's where the fake credits roll or something and um yeah. Out of rewatching the movie, I was like, wait, how does she come back to life again? I'm not quite sure on that, but guess what? I don't care. I just don't care. I do not yeah. care because I was just so enraptured in this journey. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, you mentioned like, uh, and that's one thing I really appreciate too. Like you said, it's not getting too bogged down in the specifics of how any of this stuff works. There was one point at which I was like starting to think myself, like, wait, how is she getting so good at the verse jumping? That was so hard for her to learn at first. And now she's just doing it at will. I get it. She needs to like, you know, split her personality to like kind of, you know, uh, grow to, she, she, she's trying to grow herself because she thinks that's what she needs to do in order to like 
actually, you know, get on the level of uh, Jobu Tupac even. For, for a minute, I was like, wait, did I miss exactly how she like started learning that fast? And then at a certain point, it's like, it doesn't matter. You know, you don't really have to get worried about being bogged down and all that. Because, and I think part of the reason why that works so well is that, like, you're uh, b- because you have already connected with the characters so much. Like, I think there there are there is a version of this movie where, like, you're just uh, uh, like for for instance, I so I, I talked a little bit about this movie with Daniel, but like, I I don't think it's a hundred percent dissimilar from uh, the uh, Obayashi movies that like I watched with like I, I watched House and then I watched. Uh, you know, labyrinth of cinema. Because oh, I, you're right. Because, yeah, because, yeah. because I, I I needed to familiarize myself with it before like Elijah and Ben both put it on their top ten list, and I and I knew you had watched it too. And it's like, look, I I I have not seen enough of that guy's movies to really say like to really analyze him all that well. But like the fact is, he's throwing a bunch of shit out there, thing after thing after thing after thing, not dissimilar from what Daniels are doing. And I but like in in his movies, and again, he, he's doing his he's doing his own thing. But at least in House, like you don't really under you don't really get to know those characters all that well here it's like look i i genuinely care about these people so if you want to throw a bunch of shit out there and not actually like tell your plot in a linear fashion like i don't really care as long as i can tell what's going on with these people and i could tell what was going on with them even as we were just like split across all these different universes like i you kind of get what um what whatever you want to refer to evelyn zero or however you want to say what she is like you don't really lose track of her even no matter where else you go and you go to so many places and you're cutting between things for like two seconds here three seconds there and it, it doesn't really matter and there i'm the kind of person that might get frustrated i often get frustrated at movies like this where it's like um man like i i don't don't even if you, if you don't want to have a plot just like don't like kind of throw the illusion of a plot out there that i should maybe kind of follow but i'm gonna get mad if i do follow it here it's like no we're just gonna keep throwing everything out there but you're going to understand exactly where all these people are emotionally at any given point and it just kind of works for me in that in that manner and i and I, i'm glad you kind of hit on that point daniel because i was trying to find a, a place to make it but basically like look uh yeah this movie is 220 minutes two hours and 20 minutes of chaos but like it's it's not it's not chaos that you get completely lost in even if like it, it does feel overwhelming at times so. yeah it's where there, there's, there's a point to it all i actually was taught i watched this with a couple friends one of whom is the kind of person who a kind of movie like this with you know incorporating so many disparate elements it might be have been a turnoff but ultimately because it had that you know emotional grounding and you know these characters to you know cling to like she was able to enjoy it throughout it actually i i think i i, I talked to you both about this um the um uh the the daniels were appeared on the podcast the movies that made me and they chose to talk about animation specifically just animation and uh, they were talking about how, like, at the end of the day, like, they, even though they work in live action, they take the same sort of approach to it as, like, some, an animator would, um, where they're incorporating all these disparate elements and, like, they're not too worried about, like, clinging to one particular vision of a world, you know, they're willing to make deviations as the story calls for and sees fit. You know, you referenced, um, you referenced, I forgot the Japanese director who did a uh, house and uh, uh, Labyrinth, uh, Labyrinth, of Cin- Labyrinth of Cinema. Yeah, that guy like, and that guy I think Obiashi, has the same yeah. sort of, yes, he has the same sort of sense of that kind of, I guess you would call it a gonzo sensibility where they're incorporating all these different things at once you know trusting that the audience is going to find that wavelength um it reminds they you know they talked a lot about anime and i think that has a similar sensibility you know watching this you know i think about uh like uh yuasa the guy who did like night is short walk on oh, yeah yeah like he yeah, yeah that he, as soon as i said it Arjun's like yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah yeah you can see it you can see it uh, I, I also another touchstone would be like the wachowskis which i'm mm-hmm. pretty sure like the 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 second fight scene with like the um where she's twirling the police shield 
that oh, yeah. seems to me that yeah. seems to me like a very clear like Yen Wu Ping's specifically but like also like a sort of matrixy sort of fight scene and you know you think about how the different disparate directions the Wachowskis will go with works like the matrix uh you know works like sense eight and i have yet to see it still but speed racer you know where they're completely abandoning playing with or abandoning like traditional storytelling form in order to get across what they mean and what they are interested in and uh, yeah, again, as as great as the emotion of this film is, it's also just an absolute uh, technical marvel. Like on yeah. every single level, like the cost, like uh, the production design, the costume design, especially when you consider all yeah. the different worlds that we go to. That's another way that I twenty five million about. dollar budget, pretty insane, huh? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. The VFX insane. team of seven people, seven is- motherfuckers, and that's I think I think it's five plus the two Daniels because they yeah. all they did a lot of work. So, like yeah like it, it, it amazing the amount of they were able to accomplish with such a small team and they talked about like how like you know this is i was talking to a friend of mine who was like this is like the most millennial movie ever made um and i think a part of that goes into the craft of the movie in the sense that like we live in an era where like so much of film production which had been so limited by like technology and cost for so many years everyone is sort of expected to be able to do everything <laughs> these days like if you are a filmmaker you're expected to be a director a screen you should have some scripts before yeah. you you should be able to do blender you should be able to edit da vinci you know or whatever um like so much is expected of you and like you know it's a bit in a way daunting but you know you it's see tiring. what one yeah you but you see what this yeah. small team of people were able to accomplish and it's like so impressive it's so impressive on just a craft level I love the recursive nature of how that even that kind of plays into the spirit of the movie. Like if you, and I read somewhere that you can look into like so many, basically, I, I think I read somewhere that some some offhand comment about how you can like look into any movie as like, like an allegory for like the filmmaking process or something, or you can mm-hmm. like, and you know, I love that that, 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 uh, that, that ethos and how much the Daniels seem to like both embody and hate that ethos of like every a filmmaker is expected to be everything how much that plays mm-hmm. into like the idea of the movie because yeah that's like hopeful but that shit sounds so tiring like how <laughs> like how but yeah like and the characters in this movie are all just you can't describe any of them as not tired like it's really mm-hmm. you know even and, i mean maybe harry shum jr and the rakakuni chef he's not tired but everybody else even he's pretty tired at a certain point rakakuni was like, about to kill michelle yo as soon as he got true. discovered okay. Yeah, and like it's 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 like you know the expectations that are placed on people, especially people going out and choosing to. I'm sorry if this is if this kind of sounds kind of slapdash because I'm saying it as I'm thinking about it, but um, like you know, especially people who make you know who make the choice to sort of try, even if it's just shooting something on a camcorder in your basement, try to go out and tell a story that reflects your own emotions. The, the heart of this movie really understands how um, how tiring those expectations must be to be mm. like, okay, now you have to be a filmmaker and an editor, and, and, and it has so much compassion for people who even just try, who even just try to like, again, you know, people who just try each day. It's, it's really, like, this, this feels like a movie that the Daniels could almost show to their younger selves to be like, okay, just keep going. You're, mm. you're really, like, you know, 
you're gonna get that and like i'll be like um or like i was, I was trying to like when you were t- comparing it to you know like the Mario shirt walk on and stuff and i was trying to like think of like what else have i seen that's like this and i guess yeah on some level like spider-verse is kind of like this to be fair i love spider-verse it is beautiful and amazing but like on the other levels i genuinely have never seen anything like this like it is really i think the best thing i can compare it to or the closest thing i can compare it to is community which a ran for six years and this ran for 140 minutes <laughs> and b is close to the highest compliment i can give a form of art i think yeah. because I'm, i know and knowing you to say this reminds me yeah. of the community <laughs> it's like the tallest compliment also i want to point out in the community i spe- there's a specific thing about community that i remembered it's looking at the like the little flashes of alternate worlds that you'd occasionally get where like you know it's a very simple visual effect again yeah. where like it's like one of the few green screen effects that the movie does where they're just taking a bunch of stock footage but putting um but putting um evelyn's face on it Oh, you know, and she's just, you know, it's Michelle Yeoh being shot on yeah. a green screen. They're just flipping through very quickly and you get like costume changes and such. But like the amount of work, even though knowing that it's a green screen and such, like the amount of work that goes into like the costume design and all that, it reminded me of the, um, that episode of Community, the clip show that ended up being like the most expensive. Ep- yes, where it ended up being <laughs> the most expensive show uh, episode of that season. Because even though clip shows are normally like the episode where you get to just reuse stuff, like the yeah. joke of the episode is like they would be like hey remember when this happened and they'd have to there was like they'd have to like go build like a western set you know for this <laughs> like five second joke you know it's that sort of ambition that sort of like wild like let's just chase the things that we love and the things that we want to say um and just do it at, at, you know as efficiently as possible regardless cool. and trust the audience will join us on this journey like and, and actually that's what i was gonna you i'm sorry that's what um I was reminded of when you were talking is that I listened to an interview with the Daniels earlier today. And um, I think it was Daniel Kwan who had said that like, you know, the thing that I would love to be able to go and tell young filmmakers today is if you ever like sit down and, you know, wonder to yourself, like, will people care about this kind of small, silly little story that I have? I want to just shake them and say, absolutely. Because you have no idea how this small story might touch and affect all these people that you would have never expected because it's such a small story you know like it's it, it, it if it matters to you it's going to matter to other people because other people must have experienced the same things that you have gone through so like yeah, yeah it, this is just such a beautiful humanistic movie man like this is like nothing else that i've seen before like you know we can you know, reference community and we can reference anime. And I, I should also, you know, give a sh- shout out to like the um, uh, Phil and Lord. I mean, I'm sorry, Lord and Miller, yeah. Phil and Lord. Yeah, Lord and Miller, because these are, because these are also guys who are, you know, playing around with the form and incorporating all these different elements, but grounding it in a, you know, a human story. We can reference all these people, but at the end of the day, it's just, isn't it nice to have a movie that we can all collectively get around and agree like, oh, this is one of the greatest things ever made. This is like, it's like the anti-Morbius. It is the anti-Morbius, <laughs> which we yeah, also people, needed. And more than zero people went to see it. So it is the anti-Morbius. <laughs> Uh, Daniel, we we only have like 15 minutes left, probably before you need to go to work. So I, I want to ask you before we run out of time. Um, you, you got you have pretty high standards, as we talked about for, or you, you as you called it, low standards for action movies. Uh, and this, uh, 
what were we talking about? Oh, you said ambulance didn't meet them, but like it's obviously like uh, you know soars above and beyond most things that you see in uh, big time theatrical releases with respect to action. Uh, we talked about that fanny pack scene, which is what I, what's going to stick with me the most. And but I'm wondering, like, were, were, were there any other sequences in here that you found particularly inspired that you wanted to highlight before we before we actually wrapped up? Because I mean, like, look, the whole thing is bonkers and extremely well done. But like, and we could you know spend twice the length of the movie talking about a lot of this action. But like, I want to know: is there anything you wanted to make sure we touched on before we wrapped up that you thought was like especially impressive uh given within the within the confines of this movie i mean it's kind of incredible that they 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 were they not only ballsy to do everything in this movie on top of it they're like we'll set it all at the, at the irs so i mean they, they they really pulled off a lot in like a very very uh limited setting yeah absolutely i, I should point out there's a, there's one other visual reference to like the matrix is like when uh before like the first time um evelyn like uh verse jumps um, she's like hiding from Deidre, Jamie Lee Curtis, and she's like running along, running around the cubicles and she's crouched over like, you know, with her phone into her ear. And I'm like, oh, that's Mr. That's uh, Mr. Anderson at the <laughs> office hiding from the fucking agents. Like, yo, like, um, but yeah, yeah, the action in this movie, like I said, you know, it's choreographed by Marshall Club, some of the greatest action filmmakers on YouTube. And uh, yeah, it's all it's all great stuff. Like I like that they're hard. There's like a little snippets where they're hearkening back to like old school Shaw Brothers production. Um, actually, I want to say that like um, the prelude to the um, butt plug fight scene is uh, particularly <laughs> like they're doing they're doing like old school style choreography with like the shapes which is i think i don't know it's a term in like at least western martial arts cinema fandom for like you know when it's like those all trapping and blocks and this and that and like versus like the super fluidity of like the uh, jackie chan style of choreography which you know this movie mostly rides on um but yeah it's just incorporating all these different sorts of choreography and each fight scene tells its own story it has its own rhythm you know you get a shift in momentum from one combatant to the next uh admittedly my personal taste tends to be like not so many cuts more wide long shots so we can see all the action that's my personal taste but like this is still like one of the strongest uh action movies martial arts movies that i've had the pleasure of seeing uh in theaters michelle yo is going to be in the next four avatar movies man i had seen that yeah (laughs) assuming that we they see the light of day which i'm still I'll believe it when I yeah. see Avatar. When I'm in the theater for Avatar Five, that's when I'll believe it. Sorry, that was, yeah. that was Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh, seventy-four years after her death, will be in the next Avatar. Let's <laughs> <laughs> not Once think the about technology her. catches up. Let's not think about her dying. <laughs> I think she has plenty of good movies left in her. Uh, Arjun, uh, is there anything you want to add as far as any? Any, any other sequences in the movie we didn't talk about that because i mean look there's just so much i i this i've probably already forgotten like more than uh more than i care to admit because there's just so much that happens in the movie like we, we only briefly touched on like the, the the ratatouille joke or the hot dog fingers or the action yeah. that daniel just kind of riffed on was was there anything else before we had to get out of here that you wanted to like make sure you got a chance to share some thoughts on that we just didn't touch on yet I think like I, I'm really bad at writing down thoughts for these podcasts. I usually just try to write something down. You've already I done a lot of talking. I think you're. I think you're. I think you. I think you, like, I think you captured your thoughts well. <laughs> the one thing I did write down for this podcast, for the one thing I noticed yesterday, I went. So I went to see it with uh, my friend, uh, my friend Sija, who is from a uh, Chinese Canadian family, and she was talking about how well. First of all, like the language switching in this movie is so. Um, good and so authentic that she and and she didn't even notice like and i like and and i thought it was really ingenious i mentioned it afterwards 
afterwards to her. And she was like, oh, I didn't even notice because she's never seen something that uh, authentically replicates the way that like her parents, her like Chinese Canadian parents talked to her before this movie, switching in and out of like English and I think it was Mandarin or Cantonese. But um, I believe they um, speak Cantonese. I believe they speak. Oh no, I think I think Benson was saying they speak Mandarin, even though no, they speak Cantonese. Actually, I remember Benson going over this. My, my bad. My bad for interrupting. Uh, shout out to Benson this year. So that one led to me thinking this this one like my favorite part of the movie, which is Layman's like you know this, this is how I get through each day speech. I'm mm. just to be be kind to people, and I love that it's not like a stately thing. He's just he's genuinely saying like this is how I get through the day. It's not like I want to be better to people. I just do this because I can and because I know I have to, and that is. But he switches in and out of the I, like he speaks. Uh, well, the first thing I noticed is that. Alpha Layman, who's a bit of a dick, he tells like Michelle Yeoh, like you're the zero, you're the worst one, like you know, that's um, he's, Alpha Layman isn't Alpha Layman's dead by that point. Alpha Layman isn't saying that speech. That speech is said by um, regular Layman and uh, Andy Lau Layman in the Wong Kar Wai timeline, and mm-hmm. the Layman that Michelle Yeoh's character had or Evelyn had just stabbed in the the action time, the, the everything they were talking So that is a similar. Women switches back and forth between English and Cantonese, I think, depending on the timeline he's in. But I only noticed a second day later that the reason that all those speeches, and this one speech I think deserves the best editing on this one, but like, you know, mm-hmm. this, um, the reason that all those speeches are synced up at this point in the movie is because it's not that Evelyn fails Wayman. It's that, you know, but like at, at every point that, that, like he says that speech basically when he's like broken at every point in each of the different mm, things yeah when he's like you know mm. when in in one of them evelyn says you're right it would have been better if we never got married and then in one of them Wayman is rich and quote-unquote lucky and successful but he still goes back to evelyn and evelyn still says yeah i'm happy i never like you know or like you know not that i'm happy but like i'm okay never got married to you whatever mm. and rejects his display of like outright emotion and then in the third one, he literally gets stabbed by her. So, you know, that is fairly unquestionably a disappointment. But like bit of a um, downer. And at, at each of these points, Raymond is broken. And I love that 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 exists at the same time in each of the timelines, that he's the same person. And I love that Alpha Women isn't one of those, but he's the same person. And that speaks to sort of the core message of this movie so much for me. I didn't even know if there's one core message of this movie. There could be 20 million, but like one of the core messages is that, you know, the best thing you can do when you're going through a hard time is to try and help other people or be kind to other people and try to like understand what they're feeling. And in the process, you might understand what you're feeling. There's no, there's no like easy fixes, but I love that he's the same person through these timelines. And he says that at the same point where he's experiencing the same emotional sort of like, you know, being crushed into a car cube type thing like it's 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 really it's a really it's a bit of really beautiful detail and honestly i regret comparing this movie to like community inside now because it's like it is a really unique like work of art it's really just beautiful funny interesting that you pointed out the alpha wayman is not one of the ones uh, he's kind of a dick compared to the other versions of wayman that we see who you know are kind and such because alpha wayman is the one who's lost evelyn Right. He's the one who's lost the person who's been like the most important like rock in his personal life. So like um, and also his daughter. So like to, you know, it, it shows how, you know, life has beaten him down and allowed a band, sort of he's abandoned 
this perspective on life that he has because he's lost the people that he was able to make that sort of connection with. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's a brilliant note to, to, uh, to, to, to point out. You'd both touch on Alpha Raymond. I, I just, I, that's the reason why I'm like right there with you guys on like, he deserves to get an Oscar nomination too. And that like, he was so impressive when he slid in and out of that character. I mean, like, yeah, he's playing like four different characters, really. But like, he has to, he does it so seamlessly every time. And like, where it's like, he's not, it's just all in demeanor. And it's more, it's even more than what's on the page though, even though like that's obviously a part of it. Like, just you, the fact that you can like tell he's Alpha Wayman really like within like three words every time he speaks is pretty damn impressive and speaks to like how crazy it is that that guy was able to pull off that performance without having acted in so long like it wasn't like he just came back for some bit part it's freaking wild actually mm. i can't get over the everything about andy lauerman in the long car lot timeline like how he's just like this kind of like like kind of pathetic like rugby shirt wearing man and then suddenly he's like andy lau like just the way he like stands at the camera and he's like Oh, you know that but that there's a softness but there is a softness to him yeah. yeah there's a softness yeah, to him like, even though he is clearly like the more successful version of wayman like the yeah. more traditionally like we look at him and go like oh that's a man who's got his shit together in this but like there's a softness then to him that like honestly this movie makes me want to go back and rewatch all the wonka why that i was like eh, on, i'm not gonna lie um i need to like i'm gonna do a dive myself that's how good this movie was Arjun, any other final thoughts before we wrap up on, I mean, I mean I'm sure you could talk about this for hours, but we have like five minutes. There are so many minutes. that I should stop myself for the sake of, yeah. you know, um, my, my, my own ability to, I don't know, like keep my vocal yeah. cords. It is, yeah, it's, it's I got you. Yeah. Well, good. you know, if, if you have, if you have more thoughts, maybe you can finally, um, you know, write a letterbox review. Uh, <laughs> please, please. <laughs> um, if there's ever a movie to do it for, this might be the one. Uh, Daniel, any, any other quick final thoughts on uh, every, everything, everywhere, all at once? Uh, be kind, love each other. And uh, to the both of you, I want to say, I love y'all, man. Yeah, I was both fitting, of y'all. Yeah. <laughs> I was fittingly all over the place. As I said, it would be fittingly if we were all over the place with my thoughts throughout the podcast. But I just want to say again, like, you know, as a like, as a, as like a, a white guy whose family's been in America for four generations, I don't necessarily have some of those same kind of ties that you guys were talking about to like the subject matter. But uh, I think it's really impressive that like the movie can, you know, tell the, tell those types of stories though, in like such a, um, a universal way where like someone like me can also, you know, still connect to it. Not that like we have a lack of like white male Jewish representation in media, but you know, like the fact that at the same time, like, just the idea of like we've already talked about about these these people trying to get through the day and like wondering what life could have been and ultimately coming to under coming to value family in a way that these characters do in a way that we didn't quite touch on a lot though i think you can kind of tell where the movie might ultimately be going it's just it's the path that's freaking bonkers i just think it it just did a great job of telling a a bonkers story in a really really visually stimulating way that honestly can I, i i people of like almost any age can relate to it's just a really really truly impressive feat and i hope audiences find it uh daniel i know you said you maybe had one movie recommendation you wanted to make is there something you've been watching recently that you wanted to direct people to that you know could uh uh that may or may not tie into what we just talked about yeah i just wanted to say that i went and i rewatched this movie and i i'm not gonna lie i did sort of hope that um i would like it just a little less simply (laughs) because i wanted to be able to go and say the best movie of the year definitively was rrr It would have been oh, nice. Been R- to to RR. Yo, RRR is a Telugu. I believe it's a 
Telugu film uh, out of India, uh, standing for Rise, Roar, Revolt. And it's a, a fictional retelling of these two revolutionaries from like real Indian history um, who uh, rose up against the, uh, the British Empire. Um, this movie positions them as like two Two, two men on like completely different life paths who kind of converge in um, in Delhi. And it is just, I think it might be, I compared it to, um, I, I can't say what it was like being in 1896 in a small little ass room and watching a short film about a train pulling into the station and ha that having been the first movie ever shown ever. Um, I don't know what that was like, but I can guess that it's something like watching RRR because this is just an <laughs> exhilarating celebration of, of film. It's, it's very much like um, uh, this movie in its command of the craft. Um, whereas this, you know, uh, everything everywhere does have that emotional foundation. This is more of a crowd pleaser, a general sort of like popcorn entertainment, which is as much um, a, a component of what makes this art form so beautiful as like this kind of emotional, emotionally stirring sort of story storytelling this incorporates everything you could possibly want it's got some of the i think it, if somebody told me this was the best action ever designed and put onto film i would have be hard pressed to argue with them it's got some brilliant musical numbers i would say that this has uh, i think the best musical number out of anything that came out last year um which was a very musical heavy year um it's got great drama you know everything is played up to 11 uh at this crescendo that like still manages to you know keep pace and uh, 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 be entertaining and engaging uh, throughout without being too exhausting. I, I really, really, really loved RRR. I, honestly, it's a three hour movie that I've seen twice in theaters and I'm probably gonna go see it again before it leaves. It is absolutely brilliant. If you make it to the end of the year without seeing RRR and you try to come to me with a top 10 list, I'm gonna tell you it's suspect. <laughs> it is suspect because this genuinely, it, both of these movies combined, I think are better than anything I've seen in the past like five years. Like it, the, I, I cannot emphasize this enough go see RRR. Yeah, and Daniel did a great job of selling it as something that probably uh, warrants a theatrical experience. I unfortunately missed that, but I will be watching it whenever it comes to streaming. But uh, if you have a chance to support a movie like that in theaters, you should it's you should be happy that it, it, a theater near, near you even makes the effort to get it and hopefully support it yourself. Uh, Arjun, quickly, is there anything you want to recommend? Any other stuff you've been watching recently? Um, on, uh, so movies I have recently, watched, the two things that are great that I've recently watched, or, you know, aside from everything, everything I've ever all at once were, um, well, I watched The Duke, which is Roger Michel's last movie. He made, uh, Notting Hill, really charming, lovely movie about, um, this, this pensioner basically decides to steal a famous Goya painting, like, kind of just because he can, but also as like a, like, um, you know, uh, like kind of a protest to, hmm. um, He's kind of like an aging socialist type. Like he, it's really, it's Jim Broadbent and Helen Mirren are both really fantastic in it. I mean, you know, Jim Broadbent has never not been great, but like Jim Broadbent and Helen Mirren, Hel, Jim Broadbent and Helen Mirren are both really fantastic. Matthew Good's really great in it as well. It is just really charming, low key, fun comedy with like a, a, a heart too. It is very nice. Um, the Duke. I watched uh, Cow, Andrea Arnold's documentary. Um, I, I watched that uh, I watched that the day after I watched everything I really want once. So that would have been uh, yesterday. But I watched it yesterday like um, uh, I think I got it from a BFI post. I was just watching it at home, and um, in and it's been a day and a half since then, and I haven't eaten meat since then, and I don't know how long it, it like you know it it follows the life of a cow. It is 
one of the best documentaries of the past few years, and it is very uh, extremely emotionally stirring. I want to say sad, but it's it's really sad. Um, yeah, mm. it's um, it's very it's very good. It's yeah, and uh, outside of, outside of that, I I think everyone has their one genre, which is like uh, they will, they will go in for no matter what, and mine is spy stuff. So I've been watching Slow Horses on Apple TV. It is really fantastic so far. I think. I know I have to watch Severance. I will do that after Slow Horses, but yeah, uh, <laughs> um, yeah Slow Horses right. is really good so far. And I, I would also be remiss without uh, mentioning Oscar Isaac's fantastically terrible, beautiful, awful, ridiculous British accent on Moonlight. So yeah, I, I'm not I, I, Moonlight. I I don't know how I feel about that show. I really don't. I'm not I, I don't. I like. I think I like it so far. <laughs> I don't know. It's I'm mixed, but I, the accent is beautiful. I will say that it's a, it's I, as somebody who is not British and can't really spot a bad British accent, I will say it is, it's a marvel. It's a marvel. All right. Well, this is my third podcast in four nights. So I am out of recommendations, but uh, as usual, you can find me on letterbox at Josh Chernovoy, J O S H J U R N O V O Y. Same thing on Twitter, podcast orders at rewind movie pod podcast emails, rewind movie pod at gmail.com. Daniel's on letterbox at felonious funk. Arjun refuses to do letterbox. Uh, one day, one of these, days one. Will... he's got one. This. He's got one. It's probably it's Arjun. Probably but he yeah. just never does anything on it one, one of these days it'll be worth actually following uh uh thank, thanks again to hey 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 it's always worth following Arjun. <laughs> it always is i just wish that it was more worth it i'd like <laughs> you to make some more fucking posts Arjun. damn <laughs> all right all right if i do i'll uh, never go outside but okay yes all right daniel has I, to go- hey, good for me Daniel has to go to work. I have to go to sleep. Uh, and uh, Arjun has to go do his own thing as well. So uh, I want to thank you guys for joining me again. I want to thank everyone for listening. And we will see you next time.